0: What a salvation this. Are you glad to be saved this morning? Say amen. amen. Thank the Lord for my salvation. Thank the Lord for his goodness in our life. i tell you what, it's good to be saved and on my way to heaven, no matter what comes or what may go. uh, I know that I've got that squared away with the Lord, and I appreciate that. If you can't say that, we pray that this morning would be the morning that you'd call upon the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be. If you're going to get saved, you're going to get saved through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Tell you what we're going to do this morning. Brother Shannon, you pray for us. Open us up in a word of prayer. We'll try to bring the message that the Lord has laid on our hearts. Amen. All right, thank you this morning. All right, if you will turn with us to First Samuel and First uh, <clears throat> Samuel chapter number three. Got a whole lot of reading I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, I'm going to start in. Uh, I'm going to start in chapter two. First Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 12, you can keep your seats this morning. Uh, there's no starting point or stopping point in my reading. I'm just going to start reading, try to preach through these verses as the Lord has laid them upon our heart, and uh, then we'll try to uh, try to just give you what the Lord's laid on our heart this morning, okay? We struggle with which direction the Lord would have us to go in this, but... Uh, tell you what I want to do. Let's read verse chapter 3 verse 13. Chapter 3 verse 13. Then I'll pray and then we'll read. I believe that's what the Lord would have us to do. All right. First Samuel chapter 3 verse number 13. The Bible says, "For I have told him that I will judge this house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them." not. Heavenly Father, help us now. We need a touch from on high. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to remind you, if I can, we preached a message probably three Sundays ago uh, out of uh, Second Chronicles chapter number uh, 34. And we enti- we titled the message, Finding the Book. And uh, you know that uh King Josiah was a man that uh, brought reformation to Judah. Uh, he was a man that took down the altars of Balaam uh, and the images uh, that were on the, uh, the uh, high above them. He cut them down and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. He broke them in pieces and made uh, dust out of them and strode it upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. And he burnt the bones of the priests upon their altars and uh, cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And can I say, he did all of this without the word of God. We talked about how that King Josiah had had a, a mind to do something that he knew was right, what he knew to do. He knew to do from some history that he had found in his uh, lineage and in his heritage. And uh, he knew that there was some things wrong in the land in which he lived. But uh, after he had already put his best foot forward and started trying to, uh, to do what he thought was right and to do what he thought that uh, would be pleasing uh, to the Lord. We understand that uh, it was after that, that when the repairing of the temple had started, uh, that they found the book of the law. And we understand that when the book of the law was found, the book of the law uh, was brought to King Josiah, and when the book of the law was read in his hearing, the book of the law done something in the heart of King Josiah and King Josiah understood that everything that he thought was right, there was still some more to be done. And uh, I want to say this, it's good for us to put our best foot forward this morning. It's, it's good to have the motivation of our heart towards the Lord and towards what uh, we think is right. But it's not good enough to think what is right. We have to know what is right. And so the Lord in his infinite wisdom left us a book. And we find that King Josiah, when he uh, found the book, that the book done something in his heart. The Bible uh, says as you're holding your place in uh, in 1 Samuel, uh, that the Bible says here in Second Chronicles chapter number 34 and verse 18, then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king, and it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law, that he rent his clothes. And we talked about how the renting of his clothes shown grief. The first time that you find this is uh, uh, is back in the book of Genesis, and we know that Reuben uh, rent his clothes because of what had happened to his brother. We know his brother was sold uh, into slavery, if you will, and it was a it was a picture of grief. Now let me say this: the word of God being read in the hearing of King Josiah caused grief. In his heart, because he knew that up until this point in his reign, that all the things that the book of the law showed him had not been done under his authority. Now let me say this, when it's within your authority uh, to do what God wants you to do with your family or whoever falls under your authority, me being a pastor, it would be me leading the church, you as a parent, would be leading your home, a husband leading your wife, whatever it may be, when it's in your authority and the Lord is looking to you, the Lord is expecting you to fulfill uh, the His will for your life and for your family or for your church or for whatever, you have to get in the book and find out what God says about it. And so he gets the book, he finds the book, and the book does something in his life. Now I don't know if you'd call this a series or not, but as we dealt with this on the, that Sunday morning and that Sunday night, we dealt with how your response to the book uh, affects God's reaction to you. Uh, I began to think about this little series maybe on reverencing the scripture. We find here no doubt that there is a reverence to the word of God and it not only made a change in Josiah's life but it made a change in Judah because it was in the authority of King Josiah that everyone that was under his rule would follow what the book of the law Had to say, it'd be a good day in our land. You may not agree with this statement, but that'll be all right. We can agree to disagree and you can go out of here being wrong this morning. It'll be okay. But it'd be good if our nation today was in such a state that our leaders uh, would implement the word of God and rule and judge and work within our land in accordance to what thus saith the Lord God. It would make a change in our homes and make a change in our nation today. Right, it would make a change in our school system. It would make a change in everything if our leaders were being led by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. We understand that is not the case, but it is the case with you and for me. We can do what we can do, and when God's give us a life and a book and the authority in our homes or in our church to follow His Word, we do that and we implement our lives around the Word of God. God. And so King Josiah, we understand that he brought reform to Judah. He got rid of all the worship to other gods and he did every bit of it without the word of God. He was doing what he thought was right. We see reformation without revelation. So there's reformation. Lots of people today are reforming. Would you agree with that? There's a reformation in all across the land, reformation in our churches, reformation in our home. People are reforming the way that they do things. They're doing what they think is right. I honestly believe that the perversions and the wickedness that we see in homes and the passion that people have about doing the things that they do, they honestly believe that they are right. But they are wrong in accordance to the scripture. So they have reformation without revelation. Now what I want you to see this morning is Reformation without revelation is adulteration. Adulteration is corrupted or debased by foreign mixture. It was a mixture of what was right and what King Josiah thought was right. It wasn't wrong for him to take the high places down. It wasn't wrong for him to carve the images up. It wasn't wrong for him to do those things. And I'm not saying that we've got everything wrong today, but do we have everything right? See, it's not, it's, it, what we're trying to do is not just consider what's wrong, but we're trying to consider what's right. We want to make sure that we're pleasing the Lord and following his book. And I want you to know that reformation is only as good as it can be apart from revelation. We want to reform our lives. We want to reform our church. We want to reform our home. We want our nation to be reformed, but it has to be done around the word of God. So reformation without revelation is adulteration. Now, I want to say this. Uh, God, uh, God's word instilled some fear in King Josiah. And uh, the, the, the fear wasn't just concerning himself, but the fear was concerning others. The Bible says in verse 21, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that is found, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us. So I want you to notice right here, and and I'm not trying to go back through everything we've already preached, but he was not only concerned how it was affecting him, but how it was affecting those in which he ruled over, all right? And so the word of God, and God's got some uh, design, and God's a God of judgment, right? We talked about God being a God of restitution. We got down into Sunday night and began to preach, and we preached on this thought As for you, we brought that thought out of verse number 26 where the Bible said, and as for the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall ye say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God when thou heardest the words against this place, And against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before me, and didst rend thy clothes and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. So we brought this point out on Sunday night that he's a God of restitution. It was the book of the law they were reading. There was some things that God desired and demanded and commanded of his people. And Josiah read it and he realized that they had come short and fell short of fulfilling the duties and the commandments that were in the book of the law. But here's what happened. We find that we serve a God of restitution, but we see the humbleness of King Josiah. We see his heart. We see that it was broken. And we see that it had an effect on him. The word of God was effectual in King Josiah's life. And because of that we see that the God of restitution was also a God of reprieve, right? And so God, because he took notice of the reaction or the response to, to uh, King Josiah's uh, hearing of the word of God, it changed how God responded to King Josiah and to Israel, or to Judah and Jerusalem. And so here's what we were dealing with. We were talking about how a God of judgment and a God of restitution is also a God of reprieve when one humbles themselves in accordance to the Word of God and respects the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Word of God, and allows the Word of God to cause us to yield or change direction. If you will allow the Word of God and the truth of God's Word to work in your life, and, and to cause you to yield, not rebel, but to yield and to move and allow the word of God to push you in the direction in which you should go, you'll find that the God of restitution is a God of reprieve. And I thank the Lord for that. You say, preacher, what in the world does that have to do anything? We're dealing with, with the respect and the reverence to the word of God in King Josiah's hearing. He reverenced and respected God's word and it made all the difference in King Josiah's life and it made all the difference in Judah and in Jerusalem in that day. I want to say this, we live in a day where God is still a God of restitution And if we'll yield to the word of God, allow the word of God to move us in the direction that it is trying to push us, we will take it and go in that direction. The God of restitution is still a God of reprieve. And you and I can have a little peace and tranquility down here on this God-forsaken earth if you and I will do what you and I are supposed to do in accordance to the scripture. It starts with having a reverence and a respect For the word of God. Notice this, it was his respect and his reverence that caught the attention of the Lord. You know what the Lord's looking for? For you and I to respect him. For you and I to reverence him. For you and I to put him in his proper place in our hearts. And when you do that, friend, God, the God of restitution, becomes a God of reprieve. We are to respect God. We are to respect his word. We ought to respect his name. We know that his, his word is esteemed higher than his own name according to Psalms 134, I believe it is. And we better give respect to God's word. You understand that it was Abraham, as we've mentioned, that uh, referenced to uh, referred the rich man back to the word of God when the rich man was asking him uh, to send Lazarus that he may testify to his five brethren lest he come into this awful place of torment. Then in Luke 24, 32... The Bible says and they said one to another this is Cleopas and that other disciple did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures. Now we know that this is uh, this is Cleopas and the other disciple as they were on the road to Emmaus and we understand that on the road to Emmaus the Lord Jesus Christ who has resurrected from the tomb is talking to them. They did not know who he was and uh, they, then he took them through the scripture went back to Moses and the prophets and began to preach unto them uh, some prophecy about the day in which they were in right there and it caused them to come to the understanding and the conclusion that they were indeed speaking to the Lord Jesus Christ. But the scriptures burned in their heart. If Jesus Christ in the flesh would take Cleopas back to the word of God in written form. You and I can take the word of God in written form in 2021 and allow it to work and yield in our, cause us to yield our life. And so it's important today. So what we're talking about here, we're talking about reformation Uh, Without uh, revelation is adulteration, right? But here's what I want you to see. Josiah allowed the word of God to do something in his life and he yielded to it. And it caused the God of restitution to be a God of reprieve. Now I want to look at something here. And I I want to deal with this thought. Revelation without reformation brings annihilation. Alright, so we've seen that there was reformation before there was revelation with King Josiah. He was trying to do right. When he got the word of God, it was effectual in his life. Well, now we're going to find that Eli, a high priest here in 1 uh, Samuel, if I can get my place back over here, uh, in chapter number 2 and verse number 12, had some sons. And the Bible says, now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not The Lord. Now that is interesting to me that Eli is in the position of a high priest, yet his sons did not know the Lord. Now you you would say, well preacher, you can't fault Eli for everything. No, we can look though from this point forward and see how Eli responds to his sons and figure out pretty fast how come his sons didn't know anything about the Lord. Eli took the position of a high priest, yet he let his family uh, go to hell. Hey, listen to me today. We don't do what we do and let our families go to hell. We do what we do and we keep our families in mind. I have to be real careful in my position as a pastor not to neglect my own family while I'm trying to go out here and win lost souls for the cause of Christ. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not saying I've got it, I'm the best at it, but I do understand that it's a present issue that one has to be aware of because this man was doing the work of a high priest, yet his own sons were dying and going to hell and they were wicked as hell itself. The Bible says, now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial, they knew not the Lord. It's possible today, friend, to sit in a Baptist church in a padded pew listening to the word of God and to be the parent of your home and your children still be on their way to hell because of the way that you have chosen to raise them in your your home and in your life. Now notice this, the Bible says, now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial, they knew not the Lord. The Bible says in verse 13, and the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething, with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand, and he struck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, all that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So they did in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came thither. Now, I want you to notice something. This process in which they are going through is not biblical. They don't have a commandment to be doing it this way. So what's happened is they've come up with their own little religious facade to implement what they thought would work best for them, and it was for the benefit of them and fulfilling their flesh. All right? Now, a lot of people today are using religion and as a crutch to do whatever they want to do. They're implementing their own desires and their own way of thinking and what they think is right. And friend, I'm telling you, reformation without revelation is going to bring annihilation. God is still a God of restitution. All right, so notice this. The Bible says, He struck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the flesh took brought up, the priest took for himself. So they did it in shallow unto all the Israelites that came thither. Also, before they burnt the fat, the priest servant came. And said to the man that sacrificed, give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have it side and flesh of thee, but raw. And if any man said unto him, let them not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as they sh- as thy soul desire, then he would answer him, Nay, but thou shalt give it me now, and if, if not, I will take it by force. So let me say this. The children of Israel knew that the sacrifices that they were bringing, that they were making, were being mishandled by Eli's sons, who were also priests. They had a position, but they had no Savior. They had a position, but they didn't know anything about God. Now notice this. The Bible says, Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. It got so bad at the house of God that the men that knew that they should bring sacrifice to the Lord, they didn't even want to do it because of the way that church had been, mis- or excuse me, the way God's house had been mishandled. When church or the house of God is mishandled, it'll get such as where people don't want to be there. Right? So notice this. The Bible says, But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. Okay, so I want you to do, I do want to bring this point out in verse number 17. The people, God's chosen people, were seeing this problem down at God's house. The people were seeing it, but it's funny that Eli hasn't dealt with it. Notice there's no way that the people, God's chosen people, were seeing this and Eli not also seeing it. If he wasn't seeing it, then he was not paying attention to what was going on down at the house of God. Alright, so I'm persuaded though that he understood by his reaction that we find later on in the scripture. Let me say this, it wasn't a problem for Eli for his sons to be doing what they were doing until it became a problem for the children of Israel. There's a lot of times that things will go on at God's house that's not a problem for the people that's dealing with it until it becomes a problem for the other people. Listen, it should never be that I allow something to happen or you and your homes are allowing something to happen and it not be a problem for you until it becomes a problem for somebody on the outside. This problem at God's house was affecting God's people. Okay, so the Bible says here, uh, but Samuel ministered before the Lord being a child girded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which he has lent to the Lord. And they went into their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters and the children, and the child Samuel grew before the Lord. So Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife Hannah because of the fact that, that they had lent uh, God, if you will, Samuel, right? And Samuel was going to grow up and be something for God. They dedicated him to the Lord. He was shadowing that of the high priest, Eli. Now notice with me, if you will, Samuel turns out to be a very good man, loves the Lord, and serious about the will of God for his life. And he'd done all this by shadowing Eli. Eli was making something out of Samuel when he was letting his own home fall by the wayside. We don't make things out of we don't make good things out of other people while we let our own homes fall by the wayside. All right, so the Bible says here that Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife why because he appreciated what they had done and he was going to do what he could to make Samuel all that Samuel could be. So I want you to notice this. Eli undoubtedly, Brother Shane, expected something out of Samuel. Children do not grow up to be anything if there's no expectation placed upon them. We are to train children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to bring them up, to train up a child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. It doesn't happen on accident. So undoubtedly, Eli knew the right way. But he was willing to implement the right way on somebody else's child while he let his own children do whatever they wanted to do. Now notice with me here, the Bible says here, and they went unto their own home, verse 21, and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters, and the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel. how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Let me say this, when you don't give any concern to God's book, and you don't give any concern to God's law or God's guidelines, We find right back here in the earlier part of the chapter that Eli's sons were not following the guidelines with a sacrifice, with a meat offering. They were implementing their own way. You'll find when you implement your own way and you have disregard for how God wants something done and doing it his way, it won't be long for you'll be dabbling in other sins and before you know it, your life will become a wreck. Eli's sons are now down here at the house of God uh, and assembling at the tabernacle of the congregation and laying with women. Now the Bible says that he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Now I want to call your attention to this. It wasn't that Eli seen it and had a problem with it. It was that Eli had people coming to him and whispering in his ear and talking to him about all the problems that was going on down here, and they've got an issue, and it's not being handled or taken care of. So it's bothering Eli. And Eli comes to his sons and he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Undoubtedly, word had got around to all the people. For word have got around to all the people, Eli had to have known it long before now. So the Bible says, nay, my sons, nay, for it is no good report that I hear you make the Lord's people to transgress. So first of all, I want to bring your attention to this thought. There is recognition of what is going on. Eli recognizes it. Then I want to say this. There's reproof. Eli reproves them for what they've done. But then I want you to notice this. The Bible says, Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. Now I want you to notice this. Eli has recognized the problem. For whatever his motivation was, he still knows there's a problem. Then Eli reproves them of the situation, but then they, after hearing his reproof, do nothing about it. Now I'll say this, there's some things if you do nothing about it, it'll be left unchecked, it will only get worse. So here's the thing, he's done something about it, he's not done anything about it, he's just reproved them. There's recognition, there's recognition, there's reproof. The Bible says in verse 27, And there came a man of God unto Eli, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt and Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And Did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation? Who... Who is it that's being dealt with right now? It's not Eli's sons. Eli's answering for it. All right. So the Bible says here, uh, "And honours thy sons above me, to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people." Now he's re-recognized and he's reproved, brother Gene. He's recognized, he's reproved, and they have not hearkened unto their daddy. So now he's being talked to and being the one that's dealt with Eli because of his sons. And this is what's said. And honorest thy sons above me. You know what's happening? Oh, you can have recognition all day long. But if you do nothing about the recognition, you're honoring those that are doing wrong above God. Now I want to say this, you can even have reproof. And after having recognition and reproof, if you allow it to continue, you're still honoring that one above God. So we see here in verse 30, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I saith indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm. And the arm of thy father's house, that there shall not be an old man in thine house. And I want to pause right here and take a time out. And let's go back and think about 2 Chronicles chapter number 34. We understand that there was recognition in chapter number 34 of 2 Chronicles. King Josiah recognized what God expected. King Josiah was concerned about the God of judgment, understanding that he was a God of restitution. The book of the law teaches that God is a God of restitution. The difference here is the reaction that Josiah has in, in parallel to the reaction, or in contrast rather, to the reaction that we find Eli having when the word of God came to him. But understand, judgment is going to pass upon Eli. Judgment is coming, but I want you to know how the how I want you to notice how Eli has reacted. The Bible says in verse 32, Thou shalt see an enemy in my habitation and all the wealth which God shall give Israel, and there shall not be an old man in thine house forever. And the man of thine whom I shall, uh, whom I shall not cut off from mine altar shall be to consume thine eyes and to grieve thine heart, and all the increase of thine house shall die in the flower of their age. And this shall be a sign unto thee, that shall come upon thy two sons of Hophni and Phinehas, and one day they shall die, both of them. So we find here that the Lord has intentions of taking the lie of Hophni and Phinehas because of their life. How they are, how they are acting in God's house. But notice this. Why is Hophni and Phinehas the ones that are going to be in trouble? They don't know God. Eli has allowed this to happen. Hothdine and Phineas are not being spoken to by the Lord. They didn't go to Hothdine and Phineas and say, hey boys, this is what's going to happen to you. They went to Daddy and give, or excuse me, the Lord went to Daddy and give Daddy the opportunity to do something. He said, oh, well, it was too late. It was too late for King Josiah, except for King Josiah humbled himself before God and reverenced the scripture. And when we did that, we understand the God of judgment, the God of restitution, became the God of reprieve. So let me say this. This is not the first time that this comes up in the hearing of Eli. Eli did not react. He did not respond to what God said. I believe in all my heart if Eli had buckled down and not only been a man of recognition and a man of reproof, but he'd have done something about this situation and he'd have humbled himself before God, the God of restitution could have become the God of reprieve. So the Bible says here, uh, verse number 35, and I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart. And in my mind, and I will build him a uh, build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. Let me say this: we we see a preparation of Samuel here. The Lord's going to use Samuel, is He not? The Lord uses Samuel in a mighty, mighty way. But I want you to notice something: who raised Samuel? Eli. Now, notice to me, Eli is suffering and going through a mess right now because of his negligence with his children. But God is going to use someone that Eli has raised. Can I say this? Eli could have done the same thing for his own two boys if he'd have done so. A lot of people do what they do because they love little baby Johnny or little baby Billy. And little baby Johnny and Billy are wicked as hell. And they need to be straightened out and they needs somebody to love them and they needs somebody to train them and, and raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But we don't correct little Billy or little Johnny because we don't want to hurt little Billy or little Johnny. But it's easy to correct somebody else's child. How do you know that? Because I've had children in my home that were not my own that lived with me. I've had several in my home that were not my own that I had to take care of. And I don't care who says what, you can try to love somebody else's kids as much as your own, but if you say you do, I don't believe that. Not, it's not the same relationship as much as we safeguarded, as much as my wife and I had done our very best to try to make those children's lives as equal as it were to our own, it just did not work. Not that we didn't understand it. Not that we didn't love them. Not that we didn't care about them. But there was always a stigma of difference between the children that lived in our home that were not ours and the children that lived in our home that was ours. My children were a lot younger. They didn't have an understanding or a heart to be at odds with the other children. But those other children begrudged our own children. Because they did not have a mother or father that loved them the way that our children had a mother and father. I could never be those children's daddy. My wife could never be their mother. We knew that. And they knew that, and as much as we loved them, there was always some jealousy, always a streak of trouble that was in our home because of that, as much as we tried to deal with it. It's easy, though, if you're not careful, to expect something out of some children not expect it out of, some, out of your own. And so we, we, we love to tell other people how they ought to raise their children. We love to tell people how they ought to deal with their parents. We love to tell people how they ought to take care of their business, but we fail in our own business, I find, a lot of times. And so here's what I want us to see here. So the Bible says, I will raise me up a faithful priest that shall do according to that which is in mine heart and in my mind, and I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before mine anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left in thine house shall come and crouch to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread, and shall say, Put me, I pray thee, into one of the priest offices, that I may eat a piece of Now I want you to notice with me. The Bible says here, verse one of chapter three, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place. Now, Now let me pause right there. In this time, there was no open vision. They were relying on what? The scriptures. In today's time where we live, there's no open vision We're relying on the scriptures, okay? The Bible says, And it came to pass at that time when Eli Eli was laid down in his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And here the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. The Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran, the Lord, excuse me, the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and laid down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli, Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Now, obviously, Eli had some perception. He had some spiritual wisdom. He knew right from wrong. He knew what it was to hear from God. He knew what it was. He understood what was happening. There was no excuse for this man to have allowed his family to go in the direction that they went. It said here, Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord. For thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I began, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever. For the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Now, let me call your attention to this next one. There was recognition, there was reproof, but there was no restraint. Right there is where the issue is at. We've got the understanding, we've got the word, but we do nothing about it. It's in the day and time we live in, we recognize We have the word, we hear it, we know, but we don't do anything about it. You know where the problem's at right here? There's there's revelation without reformation and it brings annihilation. You know what's killing our homes? You know what's annihilating our homes? You know what's annihilating our churches? You know what's annihilating our, our, our nation today? There's revelation without reformation. We're reforming the things that we don't need to reform and the things that need reformation, we're not doing it. And so here's what I want you to see. There was recognition, there was reproof, but there was no restraint. So now notice with me, if you will, the Bible says in verse 14, and therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord and Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Imagine having to be the one, the young man that has to take that to the man you've shattered your whole life. Now it's a hard thing for a young man to have to go to an older man that you've had respect for and tell him that the judgment of God is coming upon his life because of the way that he's reacted. Let me say to you, it's a hard thing today for us to go to somebody that we love, that we care about, and tell them that the way that they're reacting to God's word is going to cause them the judgment of God upon their life. But notice what happens here. The Bible says here, and he said, what is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? So we see that there was a warning. There was, there, was a, there was a warning over here in chapter 2, verse 31. And we see that nothing was done. Then we get over here to chapter 3 and verse 17. The Bible says, and he said, what is the thing the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. Why, why, why was it that he prayed or begged that Samuel not hide it from him? Because he wanted to know what the Lord had to say. Oh, there's some of us that sit down today and we want to get in the deep truths of the word of God. Oh, don't hide it from me. I want to know what God's book says. All the knowing in the world not going to do anything for us if we won't take it and apply it to our life. So the Bible says, I pray thee, hide it not from me. God, do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every wit, and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Recognition again. He's recognized yet again what the Lord is saying. But this is what he says. Let him do what seemeth him good. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and didn't let none of his words fall to the ground. And all and all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. So here's what I want to say: there was recognition, there was reproof, there was no restraint. But then, even after the word of God is given by Samuel to Eli, it's recognized that the word that is being given is coming from the Lord. It didn't come from Samuel. It come through Samuel, but from the Lord. And I want you to notice this. Even after the recognition, we find that there was no repentance. There was recognition, there was reproof, but there was no restraint. And because there was no restraint when the judgment of God was passed or was coming to be passed, there was no repentance. I believe in my heart that repentance could have brought reprieve. Time and time and time again, the opportunity for humbleness and repentance showed itself, but it was never taken. By a man that was so in tune with God that he could tell when God was talking to one of his pupils. You can be in tune with the Word of God, in tune with the will of God for your life through the Scripture but reject him and not have repentance and not restrain some things that's in your life that you could do something about, it will cause the judgment of God to come upon you. Now I want you to notice what's robbing. This is my message right here. I want you to notice what's robbing Eli from the will of God. His willingness to yield to his sons instead of yield to God. But now let's look at something quickly. Go to verse chapter 4, verse 1. I'm trying to be quick. The Bible said, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel, and when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. They'd give no respect unto God up until this point. Now suddenly, there's an expectation that the Ark of the Covenant being in the presence of them when they fight is going to help them. Notice this, and when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the Ark of the Lord was come into the camp. Move down to verse 9 quickly. Be strong, and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that you be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought. And Israel was smitten and they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter for their fell of Israel, 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phineas, were slain. Right here it almost seems like God has turned his back. Like God has left them. Their expectation of God is now as such as they are shocked that, that, that the ark being in their presence did not help them. But I want you to notice what happens here. Not only is the ark of God taken, but the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phineas were slain. And there ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent. Now I want you to stop and pay real close attention to this right here. When King Josiah in Second Chronicles, chapter number thirty-four had the word of God read in his hearing, even after he had tried to reform and do right, the word of God had such an effect in his life that he rent his clothes. His clothes were rent because of the grief that was stricken in his heart for knowing that he had not given himself to the word of God up until this point. And that the judgment of God was coming because of their uh, lack of adherence to the law. Now notice what's happening here. They ran a man of Benjamin out of the army and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes rent with earth, with earth upon his head. If they'd been renting their clothes prior to this time, they wouldn't be in this shape right here. But instead of them renting their clothes, the enemy has caused it to happen. Do you understand that? So the Bible says, And when he came low, Eli sat upon a seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled. For what? Hophni and Phineas. No, no, no. His heart trembled for the ark of God. Now notice this. And when Eli heard the noise of the crying, he said, what meaneth the noise of this tumult? And the man came in hastily and told Eli. Now Eli was 90 and eight years old and his eyes were dim that he could not see. And the man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army and I fled the day out of the army. And he said, what is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines. And there hath been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons also, Hophna and Phinehas. Now I want you to notice something. With me. Why, why was he sitting up here waiting and worrying and pondering on the ark? He must have had some inclination, Brother Gene, that the ark was in danger being down there on the battlefield. Notice what happens here. He says, And the messenger answered that Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been also a great slaughter among the people, and thy two sons also, Hophna and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God taken. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck broke, and he died. For he was an old man and heavy and he had judged Israel 40 years. Now I want you to notice something. You know what shocked him? You know what knocked him off his stool? You know what flipped him over backwards and caused him to break his neck? It wasn't Hophni and Phinehas being gone. It was the reality that the ark of God had been taken today, friend. Well, listen. It's such a state today that we're letting our families go by the wayside. We're yielding to the wants and desires of our families instead of the wants and desires of God. And by the time we realize that we're in the shape that we're in, because we have recognized, we've reproved, but we've we've not restrained. There's been no repentance, and because there's been no repentance, we understand that the judgment of God is coming. What's happened is now there's removal. What's been removed? God has been removed, friend. The power of God is gone. Amen. And he wasn't worried about Hothman Phineas being dead. He was shocked because the ark of God had been taken, but it had been taken on his watch, friend. He knew he was responsible. Now my question to you today is this. What authority do you have? Say, I don't have any authority, I'm just a child. Then you serve God and you love God and you do what God expects out of you. You honor your mother and your father and you do what God expects out of you. Maybe you're a mother or a father. You've got children or children to be or you hope to have some one of these days. What are you going to do? You have the authority to make sure your family is restrained. Maybe you're a a pastor. That would be me. It's my authority that I should always restrain where restraining needs to be done. Why? Because I try to be an authoritarian? No, 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 no. Because we don't want the power of God to leave us today, friend. He knew that he needed the power of God in his life and in the land. But now he's suddenly aware that he got all that he had wanted all this time and allowed all these things to slip and now he'd lost all that he'd had. What happened was, is he traded the power of God for his own children's wants and desires. When if he'd have been the father, forget the priest, Forget the priest. Forget all that aside. All those duties aside. If he had just been the father. That he was supposed to be. (laughs) If you could get this. I, I wish to God you could get this. It wasn't his duties as a high priest. That cost him the power of God. It was his inability. To be the father. That God. expected him to be. You know what's costing us? You know what's costing us God in this day? It's our inability to be the mothers and the fathers that God has called us to be. And then one day suddenly when the shock hits you and it knocks you off your feet and breaks your neck. That the power of God is gone all because of your negligence. It'll be a day, friend, that you can't back up from.